write under Rhiannon Held. Rhiannon Held is my urban fantasy, and then RZ Held is my many other things, including weird western and space opera. My other claim to fame is that in my day job, I'm a professional archaeologist. This series with RZ Held started in episode 118. There is also an earlier series with RZ Held, which you can find by searching for Lancer Sci-Fi Thoughts RZ Held, H-E-L-D. This is set in the our future, is that right? Yeah. And is there any like different, special, cool technology? Have you been imagineered something that's different in your world? <laughs> As I was saying, like different short stories, different ways that I was looking at it. So some of them are just like magic. So assume that the apocalypse was something to do with magic. So now there's magic in this world. But I did do one that is actually probably going to eventually be a novel in terms of sort of doing the technology indistinguishable from magic kind of thing. Mm -hmm. So that one's a little bit more. It's explicitly trying to get an Old West vibe, sort of putting them out on the what's the new now frontier. And there, there's some sort of aspects of that that people don't think about for the, the Wild West because they're like, oh, it was on the frontier. But there's also the aspect of the, the, the West, there was a lot of sort of like, we go out and we get resources, but there's a lot of sort of industrial production capacity back East that like the resources go into and then finished stuff kind of comes back. Right. And the, the railroads take more infrastructure than people really realize. And then, like, the railroads is what sort of made, made it so you could have resources and then finished goods coming back. So the, the frontier feel, when I was trying to recreate that, I was thinking in terms of, in this post-apocalyptic world, what are the resources that they want, that they're going to get, and what is the production capacity, and what's the... They don't have railroads in that particular novel world that I'm doing, but what's the transportation technology but anyway, yeah. so that one's the technology indistinguishable from magic. So that has like nanite type stuff that's left over. Oh. And also machine intelligences that have survived. So that's sort of the Westworld type mm. feel. Oh, cool. Where it's a frontier type town, but it's got remains of the old world's technology. Oh, cool. And and this is for this series of novellas. Is, is that right? Amsterdam Institute series. I keep saying, trying to say clean install. Clean install is book one. Amsterdam Institute, that's a pure space opera. Far space, planets, spaceships, like all that jazz. So that that has had less of the sort of archaeology in it explicitly, because it's always there. Uh-huh. Clean on install, I think is what you said the other one was? Clean install. Oh, okay. There we are. As in, like, <laughs> you did it properly from default. Right. So you've named two, and these are all part of the same series, is that right? There are four books in the Amsterdam Institute series that are currently out. There's one outline that I haven't written. I was writing it, and then COVID happened. So I sort of, a lot of my writing priorities shifted during COVID. So it goes clean install, dirty burnout. Mm -hmm. 
than fair exchange and unjust theft. So there's a, a naming pattern going on. Is there an arc that the series is going through? Well, yeah, so so far it's been two novellas per protagonist. And it's looking at what the in-world they call internal technology or an int tech. And so it's, it's nanites, but they're sort of like, they give you super strength or they give you like processing power in your head or like they give you little things so that you can like wear a piloting headset and pilot the spaceships with your mind, you know, that sort of thing. So what links the two protagonists so far is that the int tech was installed on them without their consent. And so that has major implications for one's identity because a lot of, like, it's a space opera staple that there are nanites and you can do stuff with your mind or, like, telepathy or sending messages or whatever. But usually it's something that they have chosen, even if they didn't realize what implications it might have. And there's a... So in the first one, Genevieve, the protagonist of the first two books, she was on the, the sort of losing side of the planetary war and the super soldiers... Because of a bug, their nanites were infectious. So as just somebody who was fighting on the home side, um, she was accidentally infected. And then her people basically kind of kicked her out because they're like, well, you have their super soldier technology in you. Like, what if they start trying to control you against us or something? So they kicked her off the planet. Reasonable. I think that's all very reasonable. <laughs> <laughs> so she, she sort of left at the beginning of book one, like, looking for a, a direction in her life, she decides she's going to go back and sabotage the conquerors with their own technology kind of thing, which does not go as planned. That's why she starts at the beginning of book one and then ends up somewhere else. But it's sort of, it's looking at if you have this internal technology, are you still you? I mean, you're so you're stronger. Sure, you're still you. So your brain can suddenly do like advanced calculus. Are you still you? Well, I mean, probably. It's grappling with those sort of themes. Oh, okay. And then the other theme is that protagonists are both civilians and it's military technology and sort of grappling with, is there other uses for military technology? Because you have this military technology installed on you, are you just like a soldier now? Or can you still sort of have a different outlook on the world? Does the sort of military outlook infect you? Sort of themes like that, too. Wow. Okay. Okay, that's some good stuff there. It sounds like, um, so yeah, so I'm hearing space opera, I'm hearing magic, I'm hearing a post-magic apocalypse, apocalypse, and <laughs> we have people with, uh, how do I say, I don't know, military tech inside their bodies, and uh, mm -hmm. yeah, all right, that's cool. And I'm hearing, oh, I'm hearing intrigue, because there's some kind of power struggle that maybe that woman's involved with, or, you know. Oh, yeah, of course. So for the audience members who aren't familiar with your work, what, is there anything kind of like this that maybe they'd be familiar with, either a movie or a book series or something like that? Like you could say, yeah, if you like this, yes, you definitely <laughs> would like that. For my space opera, there's aspects of various ones. Probably the ones that it's closest to is Jesse Mihalik, I believe, is Polaris Rising, I think is the first. There's a trilogy, and that one's explicitly sci-fi romance. And mine has a romantic subplot but it's not, if, if you're a romance reader, you'll probably be like, oh, there's not enough romance in this. But space opera, like it's like paranormal romance and urban fantasy, like their edges bleed into each other. Okay. Um, uh -huh. 
I'd say that it has a similar feel with a little bit less romance than Jesse Mihalik's trilogy. There are aspects I've been told of my world building that are like Becky Chambers' books, but Becky Chambers, her first one was A Long Way to a Small Angry Planet. Hers are kind of a, a, you know how they're cozy mysteries? Oh, yeah, yeah. Becky Chambers is kind of cozy sci-fi. Oh, interesting. And my novellas are still like action-adventure. Okay. So I wouldn't want people to be like, oh, Becky Chambers, those are so, like, quiet. I'm like, no, no, mine are not quiet. (laughs) It's just that Becky Chambers, in her quieter sort of series, has thought a lot about how the planets have different cultures and that sort of thing. And so my space opera has elements of, like, thinking about the different cultures and culture clash and aspects like that. However you found Sci-Fi Thoughts, be it iTunes, Stitcher, or any of the other podcast aggregation services, if you've enjoyed the show, go ahead and do us a favor. Go to wherever you get this podcast and leave us a review, even clicking a few stars. And this will help out the show in many ways. Hey, we got goodies for you in the show notes. We have a link to RZ Held's novellas. So you can go over there and shop and buy up some good science fiction to read at home. Don't know where the show notes are? Check out your podcast player and they'll be right there for easy tapping. If you're not using a podcast player, go back to the website where you downloaded this show and they'll be right there before your very eyes. Next episode, more RZ Held. Uh, Hey, Rhiannon. Yeah, I know as a writer, we're all kind of like struggling along with COVID times. How, how has that changed what you write? Oh, big time. So I dropped novels, like completely. I have one that I'm supposed to be revising and I'm just not because it's not on deadline. So for whatever reason, my brain just doesn't sustain like a novel length effort anymore. And so I was doing novellas for a while. And then now I've downshifted once more to short fiction, but I expect <laughs> that I will come back up to... Um, novellas and the reason for that is that I feel like car engines have like a coasting speed where they get the best gas mileage and it's not low and it's not high but it's just like the I think depending on the model and how old the car is but I was told once it was like 35 miles an hour where you're getting just like the best non-freewheeling freewheeling gas mileage right and my brain is similar in that when I have an idea I can think of a novel idea and I can think of a short story idea but if I just have an idea it's almost inevitably a novella 